This is The Lottery on Blue Wire Podcast. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. I figured we'd switch it up a bit and really focus this podcast on scouting in the draft because that's what this pot is all about. That's really what my job is all about for Bleacher Report and uh, for Blue Wire, articulating um, my scouting thoughts and echoing what I hear from scouts on prospects. Um, and so right now for Bleacher Report, I'm working on a uh, my top 50 big board entering the season, and that's going to be released on Friday, August 9th. This podcast will be released on Thursday, August 8th, so those listening will get a sneak preview um, of my top 50 board. We'll actually only do the top 30, um, because really after that, it's kind of a crapshoot this early. Uh, before we get started, worth mentioning uh, ShipStation. Head there at ShipStation.com for all your basic shipping and selling needs. The promo code is BLUE. Um, so let's get started. So, you know, actually, before we get started, it's probably worth me mentioning uh, my number one overall predictions during the summertime over the past couple of years. Uh, I had Ben Simmons right, um, I believe, uh, from that 2016 draft. Heading into the next year, uh, the summer before the 2017 draft, I had Markel Fultz, um, which I was right in terms of projecting who would go first, but obviously I was wrong in terms of who should have gone first, although... Who the hell could have predicted that he'd forget how to shoot once he got to the league or that he'd have these muscle problems in his shoulder? One of the most bizarre stories I can remember since doing this full-time. But uh, yeah, Fultz was my number one pick heading into that season at Washington. I had Luka Doncic number one on my board heading into the 2018 season. But DeAndre Ayton went number one. Honestly, I think if we were to redraft again, I think I'd actually be right uh, having Doncic at number one. And last season, I was certainly wrong. I had, uh, heading into last season, I had R.J. Barrett number one on my board. And clearly, after one game, Zion Williamson showed that that was a silly preseason prediction. Although, every scout I talked to had Barrett as well. But that just goes to show you that a lot, anything can happen once the season starts. And these preseason boards, you know, don't put too much stock into them. It's really more about the tiers, right? Of a tier. Who Who are the number one overall candidates? Who are the late lottery candidates? And then from there... Um, The difference between number 12 and number 20 is really not a big deal before the season. That'll all sort itself out once the game starts um, in college basketball and international play, particularly this year because a lot of really good international players. Um, So let's let's get started. We're going to start at number one overall, work our way down the board from best um, to last. And and last, in this case, is still a a projected first-round pick in my mind. So... Uh, the number one player I have, oh, let's start with what most people have. It seems to be James Wiseman from Memphis. is a popular number one overall uh, prediction right now in August. Not for me. The number one player on my board heading into this season is Anthony Edwards uh, heading to Georgia. Uh, Tom Crean and his crew, I think they're an excellent coaching staff to bring out the best um, in Edwards um, after some questionable, uh, I'd say questionable season in, at Holy Spirit in terms of how his coaches handled him and how he was used in that offense. But Edwards is 6'5", 225, just the perfect physical profile for an NBA two guard. He's explosive, uh, but he's also really improved his skill level, particularly over last year, uh, creating his own shot, dribble jumper, step backs, pull ups. He's got a really good looking stroke regardless of what the percentages say heading into the season. I think he's going to be a guy who can create his own shot out of isolation, certainly out of ball screens. Once he gets downhill, forget about it. He's very tough to stop from getting to the basket and finishing there. 
And I think he's shown some uh, encouraging secondary playmaking potential in those pick and rolls. Uh, you know, when he does have room to pass, he can find the open man, and obviously he draws a lot of attention to himself, so he can really um, exploit that attention and find his teammates. Uh, and so I, I project him at the next level being a, a top option on the team. Now, the big question with Edwards is, will he be able to convert all this talent and skill into wins? Uh, the few games I saw him live last year um, when I drove out to, to see his high school play, uh, they, he'd see a lot of double teams, and, and really he'd go stretches where you'd almost forget he's in the game playing off the ball. Um, you know, he, he was quiet. He didn't really know how to incorporate himself in the offense and score within the flow. So he's going to see a lot of double teams over the next couple of years. Um, teams are going to try and take the ball out of his hands. How is he going to find a way to score when the offense isn't completely run through him and, and he has to give the ball up? Uh, is he going to be a good catch and shooter? Is he going to be an opportunistic score? I think that's going to be the question. Can he elevate the guys around him? Or is he just an empty stats guy? We're going to find out. But in terms of talent and skill, I don't think you can match Anthony Edwards. So he starts at number one on my board. At number two on my board, I have Cole Anthony, freshman, going to North Carolina. Uh, a popular top three pick heading into the season, Greg Anthony's son. Uh, just another guy who I probably see more of uh, Cole Anthony than any other freshman coming in. I drove out to see him at the Geico Nationals. Uh, of course, we've seen him at the All-Star High School circuit when he won MVP of the Jordan brand game, Nike Oop Summit, McDonald's, a scoring ball handler who can get his own shot in a million different ways, a big time shot maker, you know, step backs, pull ups, spot ups, he's got deep range, he's got floaters, uh, he's crafty off the dribble in terms of changing speed and direction, gets to the basket, uh, and can play above the rim inside, and, and he's no more for his scoring, but yes, he can be an adequate playmaker and, and get you those assists, he is a point guard, but that's going to be the one thing that you know we focus on in terms of scouting. Can he make those around him better? He's certainly going to dominate the ball because he's so good with it that taking him off the ball really defeats the purpose of having him in the game. You want him with the ball, throwing ball screens at him, giving him the space uh, to create and go one-on-one because uh, there are not too many players better than him at that at this age. He's a really hard worker. This kid loves the game. I tell a story I feel like I've told it on every podcast. I saw him a couple weeks ago walking into the gym. I was playing pickup and... 10 o'clock p.m. on a Wednesday. And I think that's pretty routine for him based on the guys I talk to. So the work ethic is there. The talent is there. Big-time athlete. The skill level is as high as any guard in this class. He's going to go to North Carolina to take that Kobe White role. And North Carolina finished six in pace last year. So he's going to be a very productive player. Plus, he's going to have, again, the potential to go with it. The basketball genes. I think he's going to be a safe top three option. I can't see him really falling outside uh, of this top tier, and, and maybe he's going to have a chance to go number one, just depending how efficient he is uh, and how much he elevates the North Carolina teammates and, and that team in general. At number three, our first international player, Danny Avdia from Israel. Danny just won MVP of the U20 European Championships. Um, he's really impressive, and not just physically. He's a six-eight wing, but now it looks like he could play power forward. But he is, his skill level and basketball IQ are really what separate him. And um, a, a score, a playmaker, averaged over five assists during these U20s uh, to go along with the uh, 18 points. His shooting consistency from outside is really the, the big question mark. Um, he takes a lot of tough shots and, and kind of settles into hero ball occasionally too much. But uh, his skill set is very well-rounded. 
Um, he, he can be considered a point wing, knows how to find other guys. He's an excellent passer. Offense can run through him. And he averaged two, over two steals and two blocks with Israel this past month. I think he showed some real signs of defensive improvement and defensive potential moving forward. Uh, I mentioned on the last podcast with David Gardner, he reminds me of um, a, a better Danilo Gallinari or a more well-rounded Gallinari. Now, the question scouts are going to have is, is he going to be like a Gallinari number three option or is he going to be an all-star level player? We'll see how much his shooting touch improves over the years. Uh, again, he's an excellent shot maker, but the shooting consistency hasn't been there from three or the free throw line. Those are going to be the things to monitor this year with Maccabi Tel Aviv. At number four on my board, there's another guy from overseas. Uh, we're going to start with Teo Maladon with Asvel, um, the French point guard. I like him a lot. You know, Putting him at number four may be a bit of a stretch to start the season, but when I look at the other guys on the board, I just feel pretty comfortable that he's going to fall somewhere in that four to ten range. So anyway, uh, Teo Maladon at number four, a 6'3 point guard who kind of wows you more with poise and basketball IQ and skill over the explosiveness. You know, coming out of college, like a guy like Darren Fox, you're like, man, this guy's explosive. If only he can learn how to shoot. Well, it's the other way around uh, with Maladon. He's got the skill level. He shot over uh, 38% from downtown this past season in the Jeep Elite League uh, in Euro Cup. Um, he played starter minutes for his ability to just make the right plays and and Though he doesn't have that bounce around the rim, he always finds this crafty way to finish. And though he doesn't elevate high for jumpers, he always picks the right spots to pull up where he has enough space to take a balanced jump shot. And uh, a lot of encouraging defensive flashes and has the tools to be a good point guard defender. Uh, I, again, I just like his maturity. He's getting big minutes at a high level already. Um, so uh, he's just one of those prospects I feel safe about. I'm still trying to determine and assess how high I think his ceiling goes as a guy who may not be able to really blow by you or finish above the rim or give you, you know, 30 points. But he just comes off as a winning player. He may have that sneaky upside, you know, the way Tony Parker did. And side note, Parker is the president of Maladon's team and a mentor. And honestly, you couldn't think of a better mentor given that they shared those same athletic limitations. All right, number five, we're going back into the U.S. college basketball, I got James Wiseman, um, and that's where I'm going to start him. I have some question marks. Uh, Wiseman will be playing this year at Memphis. Uh, in terms of physical tools and athleticism and natural talent, yeah, of course, he's in the number one overall conversation. He's 7'1", 240, 7'6", wingspan, a big-time athlete in, in developing skill level. Now, sometimes he, he loves to go out of his way to show you that he has this skill level, that he can make these perimeter plays. Uh, that he can make a step-back jumper and a fall-away from the post and the three-pointer. And it's nice to see that he can make those. But they're not always the highest percentage shots or the right shots at that particular time, and it can make you shake your head. And, uh, you know, sometimes he plays away from his strengths. His strengths are get down low, finish above the rim, um, get position uh, where you can face up from those short corners because he's very agile, he's coordinated. Again, he's got that length to shoot over anybody. and He's got nice touch you know, inside 15 feet. Defensively, tons of upside. Blocks six shots at the Nike Hoop Summit. Makes it very difficult on penetrating guards. But he struggles a bit in pick and roll coverage. Sometimes he looks a bit lost. Sometimes it looks like he's not trying as hard. I feel like his defensive impact sometimes should be a lot greater than it is. But again, he's a teenager. And you can't teach what he has in terms of physical tools and athleticism. And offensively, he's got this skill package uh, from post-ups to mid-range shots, 
to legit three-point range, you know, when he's got his feet set. Is he going to tie it all together? That's what we're going to find out this year. Is he going to take that step in the right direction? I think the Nike Hoop Summit, um, he raised a lot of optimism after maybe some of it dipped a little bit heading into that event because he's, you know, sometimes up and down. Sometimes it's, he's just so talented that it's frustrating when he's not the best player on the floor or his team's not winning that game. So I'm going to start with him at number five. Obviously, there's room for him to move up all the way to number one. Uh, I think there's also room for him to move down from number five depending on his, his level of impact, his consistency, and his effort. At number six, the polarizing LaMelo Ball, who will be playing this year in Australia, which I thought was a really wise move for him. You know, not just sitting out and training the way Mitchell Robinson did and, and Darius Baisley. NBA teams are going to want to see LaMelo Ball play in a professional league and in a structured offense uh, where each possession matters and his teammates actually have something on the line. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of his game. I am. I, I know he takes a lot of heat sometimes for his decision-making and, and his hero shot selection, those logo pull-ups and um, some wild passes. But I think we kind of sometimes forget that he's so young and, and we overlook some of the things that he can do as opposed to focus on the things that he struggles with. And so, first of all, he seems to grow every time you see him. I, he's listed at 6'6", I believe, was the last official measurement, but it wouldn't be surprising if he ends up closer to 6'8", uh, just based on his trajectory. Um, I just watched a full game of his just to, to get a refresher. And, you know, you saw the best and the worst. You saw pull-up threes. You saw highlight-level passes. You saw really impressive finishes. He's not an explosive athlete, but he's really uh, crafty around the basket, particularly using his left hand, which he could also use to pass. Um, and then the weaknesses. Sometimes he took bad threes that were way off the mark. Uh, he makes some sloppy turnovers. Defensively, he got beat way too easily. And, you know, the hope is over the next, you know, five years or whatever, that he kind of cleans up those weaknesses, that he locks in a little bit more um, with better coaching and more focus, um, and, and that his shooting consistency from outside improves. You know, he's right now he's a shot maker. He's not a shooter. Um, and does he make better decision making? Because I think he's going to be optimized as a point guard. That's that's the position he needs to play to reach his maximum potential, a 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, lead guard who can really pass and play make, but also you know catch fire and give you 30. So it's going to be interesting to see how he's used overseas as teams just sign Aaron Brooks. I think that's a good thing, put more pros in his locker room um, to practice against and to play with. Um, and so as long as no red flags pop up, honestly, with his character and his work ethic and all the, you know, things that go around with his family in terms of social media, the reality shows and all that. If this is strictly a basketball player and we kind of forget about the sideshow stuff, I think he's just too skilled for a guy his size. And also when you consider the value of having a star lead guard, I think he's going to be very tough to pass on in the top 10. Again, as long as no red flags pop up, um, about his character or work ethic. At number seven, I got French guard Killian Hayes, um, another guy who won't be playing college basketball. I think Hayes could move up uh, higher than number seven by the end of the season. He could also drop, uh, and it's going to be a, a lot dependent on his shooting after he made just 18% of his threes last season. But just a, a quick overview of Killian Hayes, who will play this year in Germany. Uh, he's a 6'5 point guard, a really crafty ball, ha crafty ball handler um, and playmaker and passer off screens. 
a really good setup guy. I think setup is the perfect label to give him. He knows how to create shots for teammates. Um, and again, he's also crafty in terms of finishing around basket and getting there. Um, and depending on his, his shooting development, and listen, he shot around 80% from the free throw line this past season. If you were to look at him take a jump shot, you wouldn't say he's an 18% three-point shooter. I mean, he looks better than the numbers say. Um, and so he's still 17. He's got so much time to improve. And uh, we'll see what he does this year in Germany. But, um, you know, going back, scouts have seen him for a couple of years now. And, you know, he really broke, on, broke into the scene when he was the MVP of both the Jordan Brand International game and the U16 European Championships. Uh, this year, because of the shooting woes, he kind of dropped a little bit in the draft conversation. But uh, I think a bounce back year from downtown could really change the narrative and put him right back into that top 10, maybe even top five mix. So Killian Hayes, I have at number seven. Number eight overall on my preseason board, RJ Hampton playing with the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, one of those kids who had the chance to go to top NCAA schools and said, nah, I'm going overseas. And uh, Hampton is a 6'5 combo guard. He's probably going to play a lot off the ball this year, being you know an 18-year-old playing overseas in the pro league. But uh, eventually, long-term, I think he projects best on the ball because of how creative he is with it. Uh, getting his own shot, more so than finding teammates. But he can get his own shot in multiple ways. He's got the step-back and pull-up game going, uh, change speed, change direction, get to the basket, good athlete, a pretty mature kid off the floor, obviously, to make that decision. You have to have some type of uh, maturity and confidence in yourself. But I hear a lot of good things about him in terms of character and work ethic. And uh, we'll see. Shooting consistency is going to be something to watch for with RJ Hampton. Point guard development, getting guys around him better. You know, if, if he's not scoring well, how is he helping your team? Little things here and there. But uh, he's a very well-rounded player person. Um, and somebody, again, you just, he's got too much going for him. Uh, so I feel comfortable uh, slotting him top 10. And honestly, if he plays poorly, I don't think it's going to really hurt his draft stock because he's got some excuses. Again, the role change, uh, being a teenager playing with pros, uh, the fact that his shooting is probably uh, not going to be great this particular year when he's going to be doing a lot of standing around and spotting up and not having the rhythm he's typically used to. And I'm going to assume he doesn't have a big year, but obviously if he does have a big year, he will move up into this top 10, maybe top 5. So I think he's a pretty safe bet in the late lottery range with upside to move higher up the board. At number 9, I have Nico Madden, Arizona uh, point guard, the Italian. Really opened eyes during that Nike Hoop Summit. Not that he needed to, to validate himself, but during that summit, uh, when I think he went for 25, 5, and 5. Uh, really confident player. Uh, one of the better shooters among this year's guards, and not just in terms of accuracy, but in terms of versatility. He gets you pull-ups, spot-ups. Uh, he shoots quickly off screens, um, gets himself balanced, uh, really good uh, shot preparation and footwork and, and, and rising straight up and down. A uh, very good passer, too. He, he's another guy who's just so well-rounded um, in terms of scoring and passing, really balances them out both nicely. And if it was just in terms of you know his skill level, he'd be top five. There are some questions about how he'll be able to execute moving from level to level. You know, he's got good size at 6'3", but he doesn't have long arms. He's not very explosive. Uh, sometimes he has trouble shaking free from longer players. I had some trouble against Scotty Lewis um, during the uh, all-star circuit in high school. And so that'll be the question with Manning. How well does he uh, execute against NBA-level guards? But otherwise, 
very skilled, very competitive, you know, probably underrated athletically. So I, I, he's another one of those guys I just feel safe about saying he's never going to fall too far. I don't think he's ever going to be top, you know, five on this draft board, but I could see him throughout the year moving from that six to number 13 range and eventually going somewhere in that late lottery the way, you know, Kobe White did this past season. Rounding out the top 10, I have Jaden McDaniels headed to Washington, freshman, uh, a 6'9 power forward. I think in terms of physical tools and skill sets, uh, this is a guy who can go top three in this draft. The question is, how high is his skill level? You know, can he execute those pull-up threes that he takes um, and, and his nifty moves in the mid-range and his, his flashy shot creativity uh, for a guy his size? Uh, he's one of those highlight players. Like, his highlight reels are awesome. His low-light reels are ugly. Uh, the game I saw him play, the last game I saw him play live, you know, he didn't make a shot. The shots looked good. Just none of them went in, and he was not an impact player. So uh, consistency is going to play a big role this year in terms of his draft stock. Uh, he's one of those guys who's probably going to fall into the boomer bust label, where you could see all this upside, uh, but you could also see a low floor. So he's starting at number 10. I'd say he's got room to move up to number three, depending on uh, how consistently he executes the flashy offensive moves he's able to pull off uh, for a 6'9 forward. Um, but at the same time, he can move from number 10 down into the 20s or 30s if he you know, has no-show games and duds and the effort isn't there. Uh, and he's a low-impact player because he's too talented to be that low-impact player. So, Jay McDaniels at number 10. I think now's a good time to shout out ShipStation.com. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the easiest, fastest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. Right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial, even without entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com makes ship happen. All right, let's move on to number 11 to number 30. And again, these are really groups more than individual rankings. The difference between number 11 and even number 21 is really not much. and It's insignificant this early. So don't get caught up in who's 11 versus who's 12. Uh, this is the next batch of guys who I have in that tier after the top 10. We'll start with Isaac Okoro uh, around number 11. Freshman going to Oregon. You know, he's not as highly uh, ranked coming out of high school as some of these other top players. and He doesn't have the flashy stats at the high school all-star events. But uh, I, the eye test just says yes. He is a, a strong combo forward. Probably ends up being more of a wing if he can make enough open jump shots. But does a little bit of everything. He's tough around the basket. Guards multiple spots. Really good passer. Plays really hard. Uh, will defend a couple positions and kind of play that Chuma Okiki role, I think, at Auburn. So he, he's next outside my top 10. Then I have Josh Green, wing from Arizona, freshman. Uh, another guy who does a little bit of everything. I, I love his versatility uh, as a 6'6" two guards slash small forward, slashes in line drives through gaps, 
a good athlete showing some signs of improving perimeter skill can make set jump shots looks good taking him and occasionally we see him stop and pop or throw up a floater in the mid-range defensively plays hard uh, should be able to guard uh, spots one through three so i like josh green at number 12 number 13 isaiah stewart big man from washington 6'9 245 uh, really powerful player um, a chiseled basketball body he's gonna do most of his damage right at the rim rebounding getting you second chance points easy baskets low post-ups, but he also looks pretty good stepping into those mid-range jumpers. I think he's going to be similar to, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe not as versatile offensively, but uh, I think he's going to be one of those high-floor type guys who who winds up going somewhere in the late lottery range. Next, I have Scotty Lewis. Scotty Lewis, I think, can move up from number 14. Uh, He could also move down, honestly, depending on his his execution offensively, if he can erase some of these wild drives and and bad mid-range shots, but... uh, if, if he's good enough offensively, I think his defense is intangible is going to carry him. Really athletic wing, quick slasher, really skinny body. Offensively, we see the flashes of step-back jumpers and threes, and I've been to games where he just catches fire. A great kid off the floor. Everyone raves about his character. Uh, great teammate. Natural leadership stuff. Um, a lot to like. We're going to see whether the question marks are daunting enough uh, to the point where it becomes tougher to picture him being a, a really quality starter at the NBA level. Uh, moving on to number 15, Precious Achua. Going to play at Memphis. Versatile at both ends of the floor. Uh, kind of like you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who guards you know, four positions um, and, and can play different spots uh, from the wing to the forward. But uh, his skill level is a little bit behind. Although I, I, when I've seen him lately. Uh, he, he's stepping into pull-ups. Um, he, he's using some pretty good footwork in terms of attacking the basket. Uh, and, and so the hope for him is that his offensive skill level and feel continue to improve and catch his really impressive 6'9", 215-pound size. Um, I like Jeremiah Robinson Earl uh, next, and that's probably higher, uh, Villanova freshman, uh, than most people have. I've seen him a lot, and the games I happen to see him, he always plays well. He just looked great this past month with USA and the World Cup. Um, and nothing really flashy about Robinson Earl's game, but uh, he's really strong in the certain areas uh, that he needs to be. You know, he's tough around the basket. Uh, he's shown some good touch in the mid-range. He can work as a pick-and-pop guy. Uh, and so I think if he just plays to his strengths, you know, he's going to be an NBA player uh, like a Taj Gibson type um, who, who may never, you know, make an all-star team or, or may be a backup uh, for most of his career. But I just see an NBA player and somebody a team could eventually uh, really count on. Uh, next, at number 17, I have Matthew Hurt, freshman at Duke. 6'9", really skilled perimeter player. He projects as a stretch four. I think the thing that separates him for, for a guy his size is his shooting stroke really looks comfortable uh, knocking down threes and, and stepping into pull-ups uh, and even attacking closeouts and putting the ball down. He's got good footwork. He, he's very mobile. The question with him, he is so skinny uh, and not very explosive. So he's he really doesn't have much margin for error. He's going to have to be very, very accurate uh, and, and precise around the perimeter. But uh, very skilled, smart player, and, and an impact guy right away at Duke. Around 18, I have a Marcia, uh, international kid, uh, really young, um, from Senegal. Uh, 6'9", 6'7", wingspan, crazy, crazy explosive. Uh, and it's that mobility and length and explosiveness that really fuels effectiveness right now in terms of blocking shots, uh, switching making recovery plays, getting you easy baskets offensively. But I think he's shown enough flashes of skill in terms of open floor ball handling and set shooting 
to the point where his offensive upside is higher than, than you think. I know he's very raw right now, and he's still a project, uh, and he doesn't really speak English. But if you can put it together and add a little bit of skill each season, I think he's got the chance to be a really, really good defensive-minded player, but, but somebody with enough offense to his game where, where he's not a nothing out there. He can get you more than just easy points, maybe create some opportunities in transition and, and work as a stretch four at some point in his career. 19, we have Vernon Carey going to Duke. He's kind of lost some of his luster over the years. He's 270 pounds and more of an old-school big compared to a new-school one. But I think he's almost being undervalued at this point. Uh, really, really uh, strong around the basket. But I think his skill level, you know, he's shown more potential to to take his game out uh, away from the basket and work as a pick-and-pop guy. Uh, he'll be most of a, a post-up player at Duke. But um, I, I'd say depending on how his jump shot looks and how much ground he can cover defensively, you know, how bad does he end up looking switching around the perimeter, uh, I think that's going to really determine his draft stock. But for now, we'll start him as a mid to, to late first rounder with, with, I think, room to, to move up the board. Um, at number 20, I believe, Brian Antoine Villanova, uh, shooting guard who played with Scotty Lewis in, in high school. 6'5", really athletic slasher, uh, can score from all three levels. He's really thin. You know, Is he going to be able to execute against stronger players? He's certainly more of a two-guard than, than a point guard. I'm not sure how much playmaking potential he has. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a combo or just strictly a two, but uh, really, really um, athletic slasher and skilled scorer who, who continues to improve, and we'll see how his three ball looks um, at Villanova and how much time he gets. Uh, you know, Villanova not really known for, for playing their freshman much, Jay Wright, but uh, he's going to be tough to sit. I think he's he's got a lot in his bag and, and certainly going to be one of the more interesting guard prospects outside the top 10. Moving into the 20s. Uh, we got Oscar Shibway, West Virginia, freshman, 6'9", 245, just a monster around the basket. I mean, he makes the hoop look like it's nine feet tall. Uh, he really plays high above the rim. Great energy, um, really uses his physical tools well, you know, as a rebounder and finisher. You know, I'm still unsure about his skill level and feel for the game. That's what we have the season for uh, to find out. But I think starting him at number 20 um, is, a, is a fair starting place. He may be more of a two-year college guy. Um, so he may be off the, the first round board, again, depending on how he looks the first couple months. But, I mean, he's got too impressive of a physical profile, and he uses it too well to, to kind of overlook despite the, the skill limitations. Uh, next, we have Tyrese Halliburton, who was uh, – Ty Halliburton was pretty much the talk uh, of the first portion of summer uh, playing with Team USA, uh, leading them to gold, averaged seven assists, never turned the ball over, uh, shot in the 50% uh, range from behind the arc you know he's very skinny he's not very athletic he reminds you a lot of Lonzo Ball actually in terms of a guy who, who makes great passes and can make open shots but won't beat you off the dribble isn't much of a threat inside the arc um, and, and has really good defensive instincts so a lot of similarities in terms of strengths and weaknesses to Lonzo Ball he's going to have a lot of freedom this year his usage should skyrocket uh, this upcoming season um, with Mariel Shayok gone uh, with Horton Tucker, now with the Lakers. Wigginton uh, was one of their top scoring guns last year. He's gone, so uh, Halliburton should hopefully uh, look more aggressive looking for his shot, but at the end of the day, it's clear what his strengths are. He's a two-way two-way playmaker um, who, who's a three-point shooter, and from what we saw this past summer, he's kind of improved his ability to, to create separation around the perimeter with step-back jumpers, and, and you know that's the type of shot that can really elevate his scoring attack. 
Uh, next, I got Jalen Smith, the big man from, from Maryland. Another guy who I'm not really sure would have slotted him. I think the, the 20s make sense right now. He could certainly fall. I'd say he could rise as high as uh, late lottery. Looks like from pictures, he got a lot stronger. Nicknamed Sticks, but I don't think they're going to be calling him that uh, this season. He, he's um, certainly bulked up in terms of his upper body. I think he's going to show this year he's a better shooter than what he showed last season. He'll have more freedom to take those jumpers. Uh, he's got good touch in the paint. Uh, plays really hard around the basket. Uh, the next step is becoming a consistent uh, mid-range shooter, pick-and-pop guy. And, um, you know, for now, I'm going to bet on him taking a big enough leap to the point where scouts are talking about uh, Sticks, a.k.a. Jalen Smith, as a first-rounder in 2020. I got Tyrese Maxey next. Um, he's going to be that Malik Monk for Kentucky. Uh, the flamethrower, he'll be the Tyler Hero, uh, whose value comes in the form of shot-making and scoring. Um, he measured under six foot three at the Nike Hoop Summit. So I think scouts are really going to want to see if he can be a playmaker in ball screen situations. And he has shown flashes that he could be a good passer. But uh, it's clear that his bread and butter is putting the ball in the basket. And he finds tough ways to do that um, as a driver uh, with floaters, um, with streak scoring around the perimeter. We'll see how consistent he is as a shooter, as a decision maker, as a defender. Those are all pretty big question marks right now, which is why I have him in the 20s and not in the lottery like some other guys. But uh, he, he's certainly going to be somebody in that first-round mix who scouts are going to be uh, paying close attention to uh, when Kentucky does their overseas trip and has the Kentucky Combine and then obviously uh, moves into non-conference and conference play in the SEC. Uh, I really like uh, Grant Riller from Charleston, a senior point guard that averaged um, over 21 points a game last year. Not very athletic, but one of the most uh, crafty and dangerous off the dribble players in the country gets his own shot in a million different ways. Uh, had some monster scoring outputs last year, and just one of those guys who can catch fire and take over a game. And still, he's doing that without a consistent three ball. Uh, only 1.43s per game last year, the 32% clip. There's room for that to to improve. And if he improves that, I mean, he's going to be a 25 point score last year, four assists. Uh, even if he stays in that same range, I think he's too skilled offensively to overlook. Um, and uh, so I got I got him as I got uh, Riller as a late first round grade right now, uh, and certainly one of uh, the sleepers among returning players. Trey Jones may be undervalued moving into the mid twenties for me. Um, that's where I, I'm going to start him. He's certainly a, an impact player in college, um, and you know you question how much stock to put into a guard's defense, but he can really lock down opposing ball handlers with his pressure, anticipation, and toughness. And he makes great decisions offensively. His assist-to-turnover ratio is always going to be good. But can he score? And can he shoot? And that's what he'll be looking to prove this season. And if he can take a step forward as a shooter and a guy who can create shots for himself and finish, uh, then I don't think there's a question he's a first-round pick and probably somebody uh, who can go you know, maybe in the late lottery, depending on who's picking, uh, particularly after seeing what a guy like Fred Van Vliet uh, did for the Toronto Raptors this year. I think they're in, uh, they're in the similar mold type of, of point guard, scrappy, tough, uh, maybe not high-level scores, uh, but they come up big when they're needed, they're trustworthy, and uh, and they're defensive-minded, and you know all that points to role-player potential for Trey Jones. Uh, Trev Queen, the Juco transfer to New Mexico State, who kind of opened eyes last year in the postseason. Now, I have him in the late 20s to start the year. Had 27 against Grand Canyon in the conference tournament, um, and then in front of everybody, had 14 points and 6 assists against Auburn in the NCAAs. His per 40 stats last year were really eye-catching. 20 points, 7.6 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 
2.6 steals, 2.0 blocks, and 60% shooting inside the arc. 6-6 wing uh, with a really smooth shooting stroke, uh, very efficient inside the arc on twos, can pass, flashes of defense. Didn't play big minutes last year, only 15 a game because he kind of uh, he transferred and joined the team. Um, he was eligible midway through the season. But he should be looking at a full-time role this year. Uh, and I think he could really improve his stock in a full-time role. A guy with confidence can catch fire uh, and carry a team offensively. And again, we saw him do it in the, against Auburn. And I think he's got the chance to do it on a more consistent basis this year. So Queen from New Mexico State I have a, as a late first-rounder right now. The last batch of guys I have, I mean, it's kind of messy right now. There's really no difference between one from the next. Uh, but guys I figure deserve mentions. Isaiah Joe, Arkansas sophomore. Uh, found an interesting stat. He became one of four freshmen since 92 to make at least 110 threes and shoot over 40% from downtown. And two of those other three guys were Steph Curry and Jamal Murray. Joe is just a textbook shooter in terms of fundamentals, uh, setting his feet, running off screens, pulling up in the jumpers, spotting up range, just really smooth. And so we'll see if he can improve inside the arc. He actually graded really efficiently in terms of pick and roll ball handling and making good decisions, uh, because he's got that pull-up working for him. He's not very athletic. I don't think he's got much defensive upside, but teams value shot-making, and he's one of the best shot-makers in the country. Uh, Wendell Moore, uh, freshman headed to Duke. You know, I'm, I'm having a tough time figuring out where to slot him, and right now I, I have him as a late first-rounder. He's a bit undersized for a small forward. I really don't think it matters. He's strong. He does a little bit of everything. He's tough driving to the basket. I think he's a better shooter than his numbers suggest. Shot pretty well from the free throw line in AAU and the uh, the game logs I found from him. Um, so if he can make enough uh, open jump shots, I think he's got you know decent mid-range skills and driving ability and defensive potential and a guy who makes the right plays. Nothing super exciting about him, but solid all around. So I, uh, I think he's worth mentioning as a first-rounder. Um, Khalil Whitney going to Kentucky, a freshman who has a lot of talent. Uh, can he apply it? I think it's a big question. The eye test loves the 6'6 size and athleticism for a wing. He's got a really good-looking shooting stroke when set. Um, does he pass? Does he defend? Is he going to be consistent? These are all question marks, reasons why I have him more as a late first-rounder uh, as opposed to a mid-first or lottery pick right now. Drew Smith is a sleeper I've, I've been particularly watching lately. Uh, who's transferring from Evansville. Uh, he's one of those guys who I'm just going through box scores and his numbers. Um, he, by the way, he's playing at Missouri this year, Drew Smith, and he's getting a lot of hype from Missouri heading into this season. Uh, numbers that just popped to me that, that made me really go into the film a little bit more. 70% true shooting percentage, um, 36% assist percentage, and 4% steal percentage. I mean, one player in the last two years, or two players, I should say, in the past 25 years, uh, have matched those numbers. So he's really interesting, unorthodox player, Drew Smith. Not very athletic, but really strong. Very good passer. Makes open shots. Um, you know, doesn't create at a high level for himself, but uh, capitalizes when given room in pretty much every possible scenario uh, and could be a tough defender. So I think he's one of those guys to watch as a, as a breakout candidate uh, moving forward. A.J. Lawson, South Carolina, I have in that late first round, early second round mix right now. Um, had a big summer playing with Canada, 6'6", explosive athlete, a confident shooter. Didn't shoot a high percentage last year, maybe around 35%, and the percentages haven't been there. But the eye test, again, just loves his shooting stroke. You know, you can't nitpick at a, at a couple percentage points this early in someone's career. Um, he, he's really a, a balanced, confident-looking shooter uh, and plays above the rim um, and, and has nice flashes of defense. 
So we'll see if he could expand on his freshman year in terms of efficiency and becoming a more well-rounded player. But I think uh, Lawson certainly helped himself this summer. Uh, Devon Dotson, Kansas point guard, uh, I got my eye on. He attended the combine, uh, decided to come back. I thought it was a good move. Really of a, a change of pace guy, extremely fast with the ball. Uh, can break down defenses. Didn't take a lot of threes last year, but, but made the ones he took for the most part. Uh, we'll see if he can take a scoring attack to a new level because to be a point guard in this league, he got to be able to score. Um, and he didn't put up a lot of assists last year, so he's got to be a little bit more productive uh, as a sophomore running Kansas. Um, but I, I like his toughness, his defensive peskiness, ability to put pressure on defenses and transition and, and getting to the rack. Uh, Charles Bassey, I'm not too too high on, but somebody worth mentioning, Western Kentucky. Um, another, I'd say it was actually a surprise to see him come back, but happy to see him come back. Always had the physical tools, the 7-3 wingspan, uh, but he wasn't super dominant last year. He was efficient, and he actually made some jumpers, uh, but he's got to take his scoring to a new level. I mean, back to the basket stuff, it uh, doesn't really get the, NBA's go- get the NBA guys going anymore, um, if that's your bread and butter. He's got to become a little bit more creative. Uh, he's got to take more jump shots and make more jump shots, uh, and just, again, be more of an impact player, particularly playing at Western Kentucky. Uh, Miles Powell, Seton Hall, flamethrower. Uh, just an elite shot maker. He's only six foot two, but he, his shot making is so good that I think teams are going to look at him as a potential specialist. Um, who else do we got that's worth mentioning? I think Xavier Johnson will be the last guy I'll mention. Pittsburgh point guard, strong, uh, athletic, can really just change speeds and accelerate out of nowhere. Uh, last year, he just showed no finesse, no touch, uh, particularly around the basket, just 42%. Finisher inside, 8 of 37 on runners. These are just touch finesse things that hopefully he worked out moving from one year to the next. Um, doesn't really play off the ball very well, but with the ball in his hands, you know, he really, another guy who just puts so much pressure on defenses, attacking, nifty footwork and stuff, uh, and nifty finishes. But uh, Johnson's just not efficient enough last year, uh, and Pittsburgh wasn't very good. I guess Johnson, I said, was going to be the last guy, but I, I think I need to mention uh, Romeo Weems, uh, a freshman heading to DePaul. I think there's a lot of excitement building around him. Again, he was, uh, I think, number 44 on ESPN's uh, recruiting rankings. Uh, I think he's got a, a lot more potential than that uh, ranking would suggest, and uh, he gives you really a reason to watch the Paul this year. Exciting freshman. Versatility is really what stands out with him. 6'7", long arms, uh, athletic, you know, D's up, guards multiple spots, uh, plays above the rim, and, and we're going to see you know, how tight his ball handling is. And, and whether he can make enough open jump shots and some of the AAU games I watched him, he was pretty good from outside. I know jump shooting is not his signature strength and not something he's known for, but I think he's got potential to improve in that area. And again, putting the ball down on the floor. So Romeo Weems, I mean, if, I'm, if I was to be asked, give me an under-the-radar freshman who, who's going to you know, shoot up boards that nobody saw coming, or I wouldn't say nobody saw coming because I know others who do like Romeo Weems, but a guy who's not in the mainstream mock draft boards and is not somebody mentioned uh, with the top guys. I think Romeo Weems is certainly that sleeper freshman to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll cap it at that. I'm going to be wrong with a lot of these guys. Some of them are going to fall out. Uh, like Quentin Grimes last year I had as a top 10 guy, and, and certainly he uh, is nowhere near the NBA radar right now. So uh, a lot's going to change. That's why they play the upcoming season. This is, uh, I won't say it's for fun, because I think there is some value tied to it. You know, These are guys to watch for, um, to see how well they do from day one till the NBA draft. Quick recap, 
Anthony Edwards at number one, although, again, my confidence level isn't super high, but that's where I'm going to start him for now. I think his range is one to five. Uh, a lot of international guys in that top ten, Killian Hayes, uh, Teo Maladon, Denny Avdia, uh, RJ Hampton's playing abroad, LaMelo Ball is playing abroad. Those are also top ten guys for me. So, uh, unfortunately, you won't be able to see a lot of the, the, the top guys on my board throughout the year um, unless you're into the whole streaming thing uh, on the Internet. Uh, are you willing to pay the bucks uh, to get those games? But college basketball still has plenty of good players this year. Maybe not the Zion Williamson uh, that we had last year. No, no obvious uh, superstar, um, an obvious number one overall pick. And I'm interested. I, I usually do a, a poll among scouts every year before the season, asking for their number one overall prediction. Last year, everybody said, uh, I think almost everybody said R.J. Barrett. I, I really don't think anyone. I don't think there's going to be a consensus name. I think I'm going to hear names all over the place. From Edwards to Cole Anthony uh, to James Wiseman, I think are going to be very popular number one overall pick answers. But uh, we'll see. And and uh, next week we'll we'll try something different um, since there won't be any scouting, any new scouting stuff to really talk about. Uh, maybe we'll talk about some of the young players in the World Cup, depending on how that goes. So tune in next week for that. Thanks again for for listening. As always, you can tweet me at NBA Draft Watch. I'm happy to answer any questions. So uh, thanks again, and we'll talk soon.